Hey everybody, C-Note here, and welcome to Dopamine, the show that is like an undertaker, getting to the bottom of things. Today I wanted to talk about how Enneagrams can help you to prompt yourself to learn where you're at in life and where you want to go. Enneagrams are kind of based on uh, kind of a lot of religions have some roots in it. Like they're, they're based off of uh, virtues and passions and it's all about head and heart and instinct, uh, head and passion. It's more like ego, passion and instinct and kind of learning where your focuses are in life and where your troubles are and what brings you the most continuous um, issues in your life and then learning, you know, kind of what to focus on. So it's kind of an extension of Myers-Briggs, but in a sense, it's not something that you need to have one set idea of, and it's something that will help you, that could help you if you're interested in it, to learn more about where your focus is and what you can improve on, basically. So I'm going to break that down a little bit, talk about it. We'll go through the types, including like envy and anger and greed and lust and sloth and vanity and pride and all those things. And, uh, break, break them down. I think fears in there too. So without further ado, let's just do this. Drums, all right, officially welcome to the show. I am your host, Mr. Christian Rivera. And today I wanted to talk about uh, virtues and sins as they are connected to like Enneagrams. Uh, I'm not going to go into Enneagrams and like the specifics there. I really want to kind of talk about how you can use the Enneagram version of virtues and sins to kind of prompt yourself to see where you're at in life. Um, kind of an, an, another way of like, if you were to, you know, if you're having a little bit of difficulty in life and you want to find out more about like your path and your direction, many people will turn to Myers-Briggs and start to learn more about how they feel about themselves or how they um, operate in the world or how their brain functions. You know, you learn about the you learn about the your type. For me, it's INTP. And then you start learning about your cognitive functions, which for me, my dominant is introverted thinking. And then and extroverted intuition, introverted sensing, and then extroverted feeling. And you kind of break that stuff down and you kind of tie it to what's happened in your life. And from there, you can kind of learn like, okay, how, how, how has the, the Myers-Briggs connection and learning uh, about myself how does that tie into the decisions I've made in life and how can I use that to help prompt me to make better decisions in life? And it's kind of the same thing with Enneagrams. Uh, Enneagrams are kind of like an extension of Myers-Briggs, but it's kind of its own thing. It's kind of based more off of uh, uh, spirituality. And uh, so it's a lot of, um, it's based on virtues. So, you know, the Christianity, Buddhism, uh, a lot of religions use, have different forms of, virtues and sins in their lives or in their, in their teachings. And the Enneagram version is like a little bit more of a, uh, any Enneagrams are kind of a, a neutral ground of all those things in a way. Um, the more modern version of Enneagrams takes the, the seven sins that most people know, which are, uh, anger, uh, pride, 
envy see if i can remember them greed gluttony lust and sloth was that right i I think i said too many (laughs) um but anyway they add basically they add two they add fear and deceit so that's nine and then they change anger to perfectionism and they change greed to avarice avarice being more of um more of the uh, the looser term, the, the the broader sense of the term greed, which is like inability to give back. You know, you're you're kind of observing or taking in the world, but not really like doing enough. Um, so that that could be the best way to describe that. So really, kind of looking at these sins, these nine. I don't even want to call them sins. Uh, I think enneagrams refer to them as passions, and there are a couple of different ways to look at them. Uh, the way that I'm going to describe it, I think, is is referred to as passions, but they also give different names to these different types. Oh, you can hear the birds in the background. That's cute. <laughs> um, they give they give different names to these passions uh, to kind of put more of a positive spin on them. You know, there's a lot less fire and brimstone involved. So it's something that I think is very interesting, where um, you can kind of think about where you are in life. And if you're stuck, which one of these passions are you most focused on and how can you, cause like ultimately like you're trying to get to sort of a level playing field, not really where you're working within all of these places, but kind of making sure that n- like not really any one of these things is running the show. Or if you have a propensity to lean towards one thing that you may be able to identify where your weaknesses are. What well, now, like, I've taken Enneagram tests and they're um, I found them to be a bit inconsistent. So it's very much grain of salt. But when I went to an, a website that talked about INTPs and kind of broke down each Enneagram, so INTP one, INTP two, et cetera, uh, I was able to get a better sense of where I fit in that. I think I fit closer to Enneagram seven, which fits under the gluttony type um, where you know, I, I like things in excess. <laughs> I will definitely eat too much. You know, I've had problems with drinking. I've had problems with just, you know, doing like taking on too much. And um, that's something that uh, I need to be aware of. So that that's a good example of it. So to kind of break down quickly um, what each one, each one of these actually means, because, you know, for example, lust is not just a sexual thing. Lust is more of like uh, in the in the grand scheme of things, it's more of like an over eagerness, you know, being too excited <laughs> and and being too willing to give in to any kind of temptation. So, um, so to, to go back through, uh, number one is perfectionism, which I've talked about on this podcast in the past before. And I think plenty of people who are doing, um, who have done, um, any kind of mindset stuff or coaching or teaching talks about perfectionism as something that is, not good. Um, I think it's good to have a bar for quality, but perfectionism in its essence ends up being something that we sacrifice our own self-esteem in order to attain. You know, we, we make, we look at ourselves as someone, as something that is like, that is, that is less than perfect. So we're always striving for perfection and we're not appreciating ourselves. You know, often we're, we're, we're lowering our bar of self-esteem in order to obtain the quality, or should I say, your perception of yourself is sometimes painted more negatively than it should be. 
um, based on your perceptions of perfection, if that makes sense. Uh, so perfection is often the, the pursuit of perfection is a detriment to it is a detriment to the bottom line. Ultimately, like if you've got something you need to accomplish and it's more than good enough to get done, but you're striving for perfectionism, you're wasting time, you're likely wasting money and energy and, um, and, you know, kind of hurting your self-esteem as a result. There's a reason that a lot of villains are types that are trying to quote unquote, perfect the world or perfect the universe or something like that. You know, they're trying to, they're trying to create their perfect perception of life. And, um, you know, that doesn't always align with reality and can often hurt reality. So I think that that was a really good move and really interesting to replace anger with perfection, because I think the pursuit of perfection is kind of, um, baked in anger and anger towards yourself for not being good enough. So I, I don't know. I think that makes sense. And I, I'd love to really hear your thoughts on, on replacing anger with perfectionism in terms of like a sin or a passion. Next one is pride, pride in the sense of, you know, kind of, you could be, uh, your, your driving, your motivator could be, you know, feeling good about yourself and wanting to boast that I've found that pride is one of the things that has stuck with me. Um, I think I've tackled perfectionism. I'm definitely better at that. I do have a bar for quality, but I, I know when to stop. But with pride, pride is something that's, I don't like to go backwards, you know, and even if I'm in a state where I'm nearly homeless, I'm probably not going to give in to certain things because I just don't want to be in a certain place in life anymore. And, and, you know, a commonality you'll see with the negative sides of all of these passions is sort of ignoring the reality of the situation (laughs) for the sake of your own ego. You know, these are all ego uh, heart, ego, passion, and instinct driven sort of emotions or feelings. And, um, they can often push you into a place that is not helpful. Uh, pride is another one of those things where, uh, for me, I haven't wanted to work a regular job or even do like Uber or something. I'm very, very headstrong in doing this podcast, making it successful and, uh, making my design business and video business successful without sacrificing my integrity, which is, you know, to get a real job or something. And it's just, it's so hard. I know that I will, I will do it if I have to, but the definition of have to is very strong for me. (laughs) So right now I'm really pushing the envelope right now. Uh, I'm making enough to survive. Uh, and you know, I'm not, I'm not living in any kind of lavish life or anything, but I'm okay with that because my pride is important to me. So that's, that's important for me to acknowledge that pride is, is a big deal for me. Um, number three was deceit and deceit is, um, I can't forget. I can't remember what like the positive version of deceit is actually. (laughs) So it's only going to sound terrible, but, um, Deceit in the negative sense is just like the, um, the way of just like taking advantage of people, you know, tricking people, uh, doing whatever it takes to get what you want and kind of foregoing morality. Um, and if that's something that's, uh, a driving force for you, then that's, that's a pretty obvious one that needs to be, um, fixed. 
uh, often it is, let me look it up real quick. I'm going to look it up while Enneagram um, results, I guess. Let's see if we can find uh, interpreting your Enneagram results. Okay. So the third one, I saw it here, type two, type three. Uh, okay. And these are all out of order. Hold on. We're going to do some live, <laughs> some, some live adjusting here. Okay. So number three is the achiever. Um, so yeah. So just to kind of go back, number one is, well, number one is the reformer, um, the rational idealist type principled, purposeful, self-controlled and perfectionistic. So that's, you know, the perfectionism. So the reformer, there's, there's a lot of positive things with being principled, principled and purposeful and self-control, but the perfectionism is kind of the negative aspect. And then number two, the, the pride aspect is the caring interpersonal type, uh, demonstrative, demonstrative, uh, generous, people-pleasing and possessive. But sometimes that people-pleasing can be a bad thing too. Um, the number three, the achiever, which is, uh, fits into the deceit aspect is the success oriented, pragmatic type, adaptive, excelling, driven, and image conscience conscious. So it's, it's more, uh, steeped in vanity, um, which I think was one of them too, actually. So that, that may have switched from vanity to deceit, but either way, um, you know, the excelling, the driven part, you know, the negative aspect is, is doing whatever it takes to succeed which could be stepping on people's shoes or, or, um, you know, not being so nice to people to get to what you need. Number four, the individualist, which, um, falls under envy, <clears throat> the sensitive withdrawn type, expressive, dramatic, self-absorbed and temperamental. Um, the individualist wants to be, you know, themselves, they want to fit within a, uh, within their own definition of who they are. Um, but sometimes they see people who are doing well and not being that and, you know, fall into a trap of, of being envious of people who are doing well in life and who are achieving what they don't have. Number five being greed or now defined as avarice, which is not being able to give back is, uh, referred to also as the investigator, <clears throat> the intense cerebral type. And a lot of INTPs, um, will, identify with this, <clears throat> with this type the most, <clears throat> sorry, I'm like fighting something and keeps coming into my throat. Take a drink real quick. <clears throat> yep. That feels better. Okay. Number five, the investigator, which is the type that INTPs tend to fall under, or they, they are most likely to fall under and most likely can identify with. They are the intense cerebral type, uh, perceptive, innovative, secretive, and isolated. And it's really that secretive and isolated side that fits into the avarice aspect of like, they'll just kind of, you know, creep in a library and soak in all the information, but they might not necessarily do something with that information or give back to the world. Number six, the loyalist, which is uh, fear, and they fall under the committed security oriented type engaging, responsible, anxious, and suspicious. So they're very suspicious of people. They are very concerned with people being loyal to them. And there's a lot of fear in their lives. Like they want to feel more secure and they're very, they're very seeking of, um, you know, more security in the, um, uh, 
in the physical security sense, you know, not being physically threatened or threatened by uh, uh, harmful relationships. They're very scared of connecting with people. So there's that fear aspect. And if that, that, that fits you, then, you know, that's something you need to talk to a therapist about <laughs> really any of these you should talk to a therapist about. Uh, number seven, which is the one I tend to fall under is the enthusiast, the busy fun loving type, spontaneous, versatile, distractible, and scattered. Um, this falls under gluttony. Um, I am very distractible, very scattered. I spent probably the first four hours of this morning watching YouTube videos, um, <laughs> which is interesting because I get a lot done, but I found processes and ways to do things. I think my INTP uh, part of me allows me to to find systems or find ways to consolidate ways of doing stuff that will allow me to um, to 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 find the simplest way to do things and not spend too much time on them. So like all of my other time is spent kind of scattered and like, I don't know what to do with myself. I'm definitely spontaneous. I've been that way for a long time and um, I keep myself busy. Uh, so the gluttonous aspect <clears throat> is definitely the distractible and scattered aspect. Um, and that that's probably like the, mo to me, that seems like the most obvious that has the flaws, like, you know, we, you're just lack of focus. And, um, you know, if I, if I didn't have systems and structures and an easy way to do this podcast, I probably wouldn't do it. Like I started doing a comedy podcast, um, probably a year ago and I stopped doing it cause I had to go through like the whole record locally and edit the intro and outro and, um, do everything, you know, locally and then upload it to an RSS feed and put it through SoundCloud or something. And then it would take a while and then I have to put it on other services and it just takes forever. And I just, nope, couldn't do it. I, I couldn't even get from A to Z. <laughs> I would get too distracted. Um, number eight falls under the lust category, which uh, again, to define lust is not, doesn't mean a sexual thing. It means kind of being um, over eager and maybe too focused on strength and confrontation. Uh, this one's referred to as the challenger, the powerful dominating type, self-confident, decisive, willful, and confrontational. Um, so definitely the, that falls under lust in the sense that you're just very aggressive, very self-confident, very decisive. Um, and definitely there's a lot of strengths there, but the confrontational aspect could be a problem if you're not willing to listen to other people's views. And, um, you know, uh, maybe having a little bit too much confidence <laughs> can be a problem if you're, um, you know, over asserting in some sense. And then number nine is falls under sloth, which is a little bit more obvious, um, calming, kind of distanced, lazy, uh, not doing much. Um, also known as the peacemaker, the easygoing, self-effacing type, receptive, reassuring, agreeable, and complacent. So typically disengaged someone who's just like, I don't want to start shit. <laughs> um, you know, like everything's cool. I think some INTPs fall under this too. Uh, I tested for this on one of the tests. So I, I tested mostly for number seven, which was the enthusiast. I also tested for the peacemaker once I tested for the reformer once, which was the perfectionist. And I also tested for the challenger once once. And I think it kind of depends on the questions being asked and how they're being asked. I tested for the investigator twice and the enthusiast three times. So that's why I would think the enthusiast is mostly, most likely what I fall under, but you know, you don't need to necessarily take these tests 
to know what the test tells you. It's kind of a way to find out, to like kind of self-investigate, you know, allow yourself to look at all of these and, and not necessarily have to fit into a type, but to see where your focus seems to be, you know, uh, some people are very people pleasing and they might fall under number two, which is the helpful, the helper. And, you know, if that's something that is, if it sticks, if you read any of these and it sticks out to you as something that is like, oh, that's kind of been a problem in my life, then that's a good way to basically prompt yourself. So that's, that's the point of all this is like, I, I want for somebody who's like going through any kind of a mental health struggle or they don't know what to do next. Um, sometimes what you need to do is find a way to prompt yourself and taking an Enneagram test or doing any of the multiple ones online can give you a sense of where you're at in your mental state, in your life, where your principles are, where your core values are, um, and what might stick out to you as an issue, something you need to work on, and what is a strength. You know, I feel like there are a lot of these things that are also strengths of mine. You know, I find the the powerful dominating type, the challenger, to be a strength of mine. I don't find myself to be confrontational too much. Uh, so it's it's kind of like it's kind of like taking the traits and uh, what I'm looking at now is enneagraminstitute.com slash type dash descriptions. And um, it'll, it's just like really brief. It's a super brief description. So you can look at any one of these and just kind of make a determination as to like, which one sticks out to me as one that like I identify with and then looking at the negatives of those and seeing if that's a problem in your life. You know uh, the loyalist, for example, has anxiety and suspicion all the time. If you're someone that can't trust people, you know, maybe that'll help you to see that even just seeing it written will kind of help you like prompt you to say like, Oh, you know what? I am like that. And maybe that's something I need to work on. So that's kind of the point. This is sort of a short episode. Uh, I hope you guys are doing well. And um, if you determine your Enneagram type or can actually the one last thing, if you determine your Enneagram type and then you, you already know your Myers-Briggs type and you're pretty confident in it, you can kind of look up specifics of the two types and how they work together. So for me, it's Enneagram type seven. Um, let me see if I can find a quick um, description of that to kind of give you a more um, specific idea of, um, of what that means. I forget this. Uh, I think this is the one. Yeah, the INTP and the grip of the Enneagram. It's a um, a article by Eric Thor on Personality Hacker, and he breaks down all the INTP types, INTP dash whatever. So we're gonna go down to seven, and this is where I got the. This article is actually where I got the idea uh, for the the looking at the different types as. Um, as uh as as sins or passions rather so like he quite literally uses the words sloth and lust and gluttony fear avarice envy vanity pride and perfectionism so that number three is fits vanity a little bit more and i i got mixed up so vanity was already a type but they changed it to deceit in some sense too so anyway um, we're going to go to INTP seven. I'm going to read this one real quick. So their core gift is exploring a vision when you don't know what's going to happen, uh, which is something I do very well. And then 
primary struggle is lack of conscience. <laughs> so, um, which is true. I'm a little bit morally, uh, loose, I guess you could say. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, not that I do bad things, but I'm probably more forgiving than most people. An INTP seven's core need is to advance that in, to advance in their theories and philosophy, to learn about the hidden secrets of the world and to explore new options, which is why I do this podcast. Even options that the INTP's thinking would dismiss as illogical, which is like space and things like, uh, uh, more not space and things, but more like metaphysical stuff. I'll explore it. Even if I know it's not in my head, I'm like, this is stupid. This is stupid. This is stupid, but I'm going to be willing to hear people out. Even possibilities that they can't make sense of or options that are at risk of putting people in harm's way. The INTP seven will often advance solutions, even if it requires them to ignore their better judgment, that little warning bell that tells them this is a bad idea. Yeah. Don't push the button. And that's true. That's something that, um, Molly pointed out recently is that I'm willing to kind of push through something just to kind of get all the information. However, that feeling of having a bad character may quickly spur this INTP seven towards quick or rash actions. The INTP seven may say, because everyone thinks that I'm the bad guy, I might as well just do this. <laughs> the INTP seven may also need, um, also feel a need to live forward, a forward oriented life, doing anything to move forward, even if they don't know if it's the right thing to do. Gluttony is often at the core here and the feeling of never having enough. Often this feeling is remedied with when the INTP seven begins to see the value and importance of what they have. This is done by embracing their thinking function more. And it's something that I have been working on because my life as it stands is a lot better than it used to be from a psychological standpoint. Um, but I also don't have nearly as much as I used to have in terms of like physical things. You know, I, I had a house, I had a beautiful wife and, uh, you know, my kid is over there and I had stuff. I had a good job. I had, I had all of the material things, but everything psychologically was not working out. So now I have everything psychologically working here and we've got stuff and, you know, we're, we're paying the rent and we're able to, um, we're able to feed ourselves but it's a little bit more of a struggle than it used to be. It's not as easy. And I do find myself wanting more. And um, there's also nothing wrong with that, but not but, but in learning that that is like a driving force for me is, is a, is a big deal because it's something that I feel needs to be satiated and um, I will continue to work towards that. So after listening to all this, if you are aware of which type, even if you do not take the test, if there's something that sticks out to you in your life, you know, whether it's, uh, anger, what was it, what was the first one? Let me go through those here. I forget. Perfectionism, pride, vanity, envy, avarice, fear, gluttony, lust, or sloth. If any of those things stick out to you, one or two, or even three of those things, stick out to you as like driving forces for you or something that you feel like you need to be fixed in your life. I'd love to talk about it. I think it'd be really interesting to kind of break that down. So you can hit me up at Revin my design or at dopamine podcast on, uh, on, on Instagram, uh, dopamine show on Twitter. And, um, I don't know, just hit me up and we can talk about stuff or call in on anchor and uh, we can we can have a chat about that. So I appreciate your time. Thanks for listening to me ramble about Enneagrams. I know it's not it's it's a bit all over the place, but I do like the the virtue passion aspect of it. I think is the most interesting from a sort of holistic loose perspective 
not necessarily following it to a T, but I think it's a great way to prompt yourself to figure out where you're at in life and figure out where you want to go. So with that, I hope you guys have a good one and I'll catch you next time. Hey, you beautiful human. Thanks for listening to Dopamine. I really appreciate it. If you thought this was a dope show, then you should wait until next week. But also, while you wait, you should go to iTunes and Stitcher and leave a positive review. Positive reviews help me to uh, fill up my dopamine tank. Otherwise, you can send your friends to dopamine.life to listen to the show or hi, my name is Christian.com to get the latest updates. I'll catch you later. Baby, I'm a fiend, I'm a fiend. Oh, you know you got me going off your dopamine. All I really need, all I need is for you to put me on to the recipe. It's a my thing. You got me going off your dopamine. Yeah, it's a my thing. You got me going off your dopamine.